today on the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Anything in life that matters, there's an element of the will, not being driven by feelings or emotions, but saying, I choose to do what's right. I think it all starts from that place of admitting to God that I, apart from Him, do not have what it takes. The thing that'll keep me from being self-righteous, when I know how much God knows me and forgives me. It was one of the most amazing shows we ever had in terms of response, including from some of the band members that we prayed for. We need to take time sometimes to do more of that desperate crying out to God for people and uh, letting Him do the rest. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast a conversation about how to follow Jesus in secular culture. I am so excited to be joined by everybody today. Yes! I am so excited to be here. David to my right. Hello. David is doing a shout out to 1999 with his Hawaiian shirt. What are you talking about? This is woke, man. This is what everybody wears. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, We got Chad who's behind a screen of green, although I'm going to go ahead and suspect it may change throughout the course of this podcast. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping. Is that like a red shirt under there, man? What is that? Hey, man, it's it's a red come and live bolt shirt, actually. Wow, it's a bolt shirt. Yeah, Luke has his tiny suit on. Yeah, we got Luke. He's in Poland, surrounded by wooden furniture, (laughs) as you do in Poland. I love Luke's backdrop. Yeah. It's hipster. It's nice. It's hipster. You got the leaves blowing in the back. Uh, Anyway, thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Rousing conversation. No, we have lots to get to today. Yes, we do. Oh, yes. But before we do, if you have not yet rated or reviewed this podcast... I get so tired of myself saying this, but I'm going to keep saying it. Keep saying it, it, Ben. Don't give up. Yeah, we need to reach the 100 mark, as embarrassing as that is. So if there's four of you out there that have, you know, you're you're hesitating, you're right there, and you're like, what do <laughs> I do? Rate it. Oh, yes. Give us your kind. Yeah, don't, come on. Don't hesitate. There's yeah. a time to take action. It is. If not when, now. That's right. And if not now, no, when? Like the present. <laughs> that was a nice palindrome. Uh, anyway, we uh, will move on. But before we do... Uh, I want to encourage you to join the podcast community group on Facebook. It is becoming just a hotbed of just intellectual conversation. There's just there's all sorts of controversy and yeah, it's uh, true. contentions, and there you will find both love and the freedom to live again. And you you also find out if Man, there's that's... you know what's why you're having those issues all the time in the middle of the night. Okay. Exactly. That's what it was started for. Yeah, that's a horribly ambiguous comment. Uh, And proving once again that David does, in fact, say the most ridiculous things, as the survey indicated thusly. Uh, The set list for today is David's random story, followed by punching through... Advertisements by chat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Advertisements by... Oh, no, I I missed that. That's a visual thing. Thank you for pointing that out on a podcast where no one will be tracking. put that down. LaCroix is sponsoring us now. It's great. I wish. Maybe we should wish it into existence. Thanks, LaCroix. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For those uh, listening, not watching, Chad, (laughs) he flashed his $10 bills. Very, very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and a five. Don't forget. Don't don't lose sight of the five. Come on. It's like, oh, man. (laughs) 25 bucks. We rolling. I Uh, just feel... Yeah, I just feel like because I've got this green screen behind me now that I can do anything, you know? Yeah. It's like a new a new level of freedom that I've found. 
Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, punching through the awkward totally with sense. Chad. And then the main topic is a continuation of the series we've been doing, uh, How to Reach the Secular Culture for Jesus. Last week, we talked about prayer. Uh, this week, we transitioned to having God's broken heart, which is really what I, I mean, ultimately, that's the motivation for doing any of what we do. It's not a religious thing. It's not based on obligation. Uh, it's it's about sincerely caring for people. And uh so that is, an, is a topic that is very near and dear to our hearts and I think will be very uh, helpful and hopefully will inspire you to to reach people in your context and situation. So without further interruptions, David's Random Story. So anyway, as I mentioned briefly in the last podcast, Nigel has become a feminist and as a result, he's really angry and uh, he sent an angry text saying that you got to have more girls on your podcast. It's not enough to have Luke, even though, you know what I mean? <laughs> wow. I definitely bring the feminine And so I don't know why he said that, Luke. I, I'm not sure, but he also— I don't know what his beef is with you, bro. But he said—but then he also said, if you don't tell this as your random story this week, I'm going to expose Chad. Oh, I so feel per- like I've already exposed my. Never mind that 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 I did not mean to almost say that. I caught <laughs> myself right. Let's just, just, oh, man. I almost I went there, I then I realized how that was going to come across. I do and not I, expose myself. Oh, man. You man, back you're going to edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so now you know why Nigel has. Like, he has some dirt on on Chad, and he said, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, you have to talk about who does it." So he's. It's, this is Blake, basically a black male. I don't want to be a missionary. A black man. male uh, random story because of Nigel, and wow. I don't want to expose Chad. I totally, it was got the wrong synonyms. I but too. anyway, so it's. Uh, I, t- it's I, about, had that, I was like, it's the Blue Lagoon episode. So the Blue Lagoon <laughs> is a um, somehow not, it's appropriate to this whole anything. thing. But <sighs> so the Blue Lagoon is like a natural hot pool in Iceland. If you will, and Come on. Uh, all right, don't what? get self indulgent here. No, just, I'm not. And so we were story. on tour. We were on tour with No Longer Music in Iceland, and after the tour, the promoter <sighs> wanted to bless us by letting us go to the Blue Lagoon. You have to pay a lot of money apparently to go there. We had no money, so that it was really cool. How have you been to the Blue Lagoon? I know. Stay yeah, on. It's, love it. Stay on the path here. Okay, Stay on so, the path. It's not. It's barely interesting. It's interesting to me. So we're in the. We're in the Blue Lagoon. It's like this natural thing. We're swimming around. It's kind of dark and everything. And then all of a sudden, one of the lifeguards, I don't know why they have a lifeguard there, but goes, give him back his pants. And like. You didn't establish the context at all. I did. You're saying her move on all the time. Very, very basics of storytelling. No. So the band was swimming around in this pool. I told you that. You weren't listening. Well, can you blame me? And then the, this, the lifeguard goes, give him back his pants. It's like and apparently the- Ben uh, took Aaron, that's uh, my this other. so he terrible. Took his, he took his pants off in the no, pool. Ah, well, that's wow. what you did. No, it's talk, not I what mean, happened. Talk about exposure. <laughs> okay. Wow. It just, yeah, it's, I mean, come on, This man, is a lesson it. in the English language, okay? We no, were in the hot springs. Me. Springs? Yeah, they're hot. they were volcanic hot springs. It's called oh, geometry. <laughs> that was a little no. joke for those of you science people out there. 
yeah. yeah. Geology, Geometry. okay? It's contextual sarcasm. Get with the program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so we were at the Hot Springs. Okay. Me, Justin, uh, a tube of glory, Ballantine. Yeah. And Nate Bearhausen. Yeah. And Out we decided woods, we decided what you should do. What everyone does in hot springs, you go you 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 go streaking, <laughs> but under the water. You were all doing it. I think that's called I skinny streaking. Just, I thought it was just Aaron. It might have just been Aaron, but anyway. The, so the truth is coming out even more in this. So okay, yeah. so Aaron decides to de-short himself. He decided he did it to himself. How ridiculously awkward is this story? Well, who's gonna? T- yeah, I yeah. This is only the 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 grave that you're digging Man. is only getting deeper. So, like, <laughs> so so ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Aaron took off his own shorts. How? What Seriously, kind of? have you have no concept of how things sound? No, it's like you've I mean, never it's... communicated in public before. Yeah, but this is. I'm just confused. I thought, why would anyone do that purposely? Purposely. Uh, anyway, so Aaron like removed his shorts. We're sitting at the Pierce family dinner table and they're having an argument, Chad. And then, and then, so yes. like he's yeah. you're so you didn't take his. Oh gosh, stop it! So gross. Man. So anyway, then well, I did what every brother ought to do in a situation like that: is I managed to snatch his <laughs> shorts away so that he would be exposed and have no option because he'd have no recourse. In fact, it was kind of a setup. I was like, "Let's go skinny dipping," and he was like, "No." And then I was like, "Come See, on!" I didn't hear no so then, of this. Boom! Nate wow. Bearhausen is de-shorted. And then Aaron is, and then I snatched his shorts away, and then Justin and I were playing back and forth, you know, kind of like the bully in the 90s yep, sitcom, where yep, he was like, give in the middle. So, so he's trying to swim and frantic, he's getting, he's doing that thing where you're trying to be mad, but you're talking quietly, you know, because you don't want to, you're like, give me, give me those shorts, you know that thing you do? Luke doesn't know what I'm talking about. No, he only, like, he played, like, I do, I was there. He played, was like, games like thing. Wizard Lords, and he probably, like, you know, I don't know, nerd stuff, but the, the point Lords? is... I don't know, like some nerd kid game. You probably never went outside. Get to the point. And anyway, so then Aaron is like trying to get his shorts back. Justin <laughs> and I are hucking him back and forth. And then and then that's when your story starts to make sense. Well, so then the lifeguard's going, give him his shorts back. Now, here's the no, thing. No, his pants. That's the best part. Pants. She goes, give him back his pants. Give him back his pants. And everyone's looking around awkwardly and kind of keep... Like get, getting away from other people because you know what I'm saying. You, you don't, don't want to go too near the guy get without too pants. Near anyone at that point. Yeah, you don't want to get too close. No. So apparently he did get his pants back. Uh, so, but I don't know how they could tell he didn't have his pants on because it's very murky water. And... That's what I don't get. And also, so I guess if there's a, is there's a moral to the random story? It's when you're in the Blue Lagoon in Iceland, keep your pants on. Come on. That story is brought to you by the Steiger Mission School, <laughs> which Luke is now going to give you a 60-second promotion for. So twice a year, we have the Steiger Mission School. We have like over 100 people from 25 different countries come every year. Uh, we talk about the core DNA and values of Steiger. Um, it's an amazing experience because it's also very practical. We go to the streets in Dresden, we go to Amsterdam, and we learn what it means to really reach the global youth culture today. So you should come along. How can people find out more? Yeah, Luke uh, House. Steiger.org slash SMS. And uh, you can apply now for the school starting next week if you're like last minute. Or Damn. you can apply for the one that starts uh, August. I feel like year. we probably had a few people sign up that late. So yeah, you we never, have, we you have never do know. No, it's good. We've it's... had people not even sign up and just turn up on the first day. Yeah, but that's definitely yeah, but happened then we a usually... few times. 
It, well, it has, but then we usually escort them out. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> well, I wish we yeah. did, but usually we don't. They just we give them the old bums rush, which is collar and belt, and then you kind of swing. It's called the bums rush. So I don't, let's most of child most of Chad's childhood was the bums rush. Let's no, be that's yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> in, in never mind. Yeah, never mind. No. Okay, better, uh, to, better to stop myself while I'm ahead. You have done that twice now, and let me just say yeah. that's two more than I expected. So, yeah. huzzah it's to you, I my good the, friend. I, you know, I, once I put the whole poll thing up on Facebook about which of us says the most ridiculous thing outside yeah. of yeah. David's random story, I feel like I have to step up my game a little bit. You know, and why be, didn't you? Why didn't you cautious. put Luke's? Why didn't you put Luke's name there? Yeah, what was I even did the put point? Luke's name. It's just that you nobody know? voted for him. It's like exactly. Goody Two Shoes over there <laughs> yes. with his sense of name. Comments. His name was. Was very Luke. You're basically the. the oh, you're basically. I, I have. I'm no Mr. Waxhead. No, you're basically the vanilla white bread of the podcast. I mean, I don't know how proud of that you should be. You know what I mean? It's like I know. I've I'm known the since potatoes. the beginning that the hey. only reason I'm on this podcast is the British accent. That isn't even yeah. a British accent for British people. That's well, why it's I'm also here. To, I know that you know appease the the full political spectrum, if you know what right. I mean. Yeah, yeah we are. So there's diversity. Yeah. We're a diverse yeah. podcast. Yeah, we have yeah, yeah. Luke Greenwood on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, we can put that I on know. our posters <laughs> and such. All right, moving on to the... Punching Through the Awkward with Chad Johnson. Uh, man, you guys, you guys have a level, a level of energy that's really impressive. Yeah. Thank you. I want some of that. We don't We're even have a Colombian on our team this year either. No. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I was at a I was at a swim meet for my kids. And, oh man. Uh, yeah. You're trying to capture. Okay. You, okay. Enough. The random the stories over. Zip it's it. kind of like being surrounded by Enough. a bunch of people while a few of them swim a lot. So there's this one individual over off to the side of me sitting down with a uh with um what i presume may have been his wife thankfully i i didn't uh say something that i shouldn't have said because i my my assumption was like oh husband wife but i kept feeling this idea that i needed that i needed to go over and recognize this this man as someone who is a great team builder um, someone who who really considered others ahead of himself. Someone um, that uh, that just I, there were just a, a variety of, of thought word thoughts that I sensed maybe the Holy Spirit was giving me for him. But I dealt with that whole like one of the hardest things in my opinion when it comes to taking risks is approaching a complete stranger. It's it is way easier to talk yeah. to your barista to talk to your um, uh, the per, you know, the waiter, the waitress, anybody that you're already in conversation with is a much, much easier mm-hmm. individual to, to, to take a risk with and to just walk up to somebody. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. And so I, I prayed and was like, okay, Holy Spirit, I, I really don't want to do this, but I also want to be, want to be obedient. And, um, and so our whole family got up, swim meets over and they all walk out and I was like, dang it, this is my, you know, this is like my do or die moment. I was like, WWDD, what would David do? And I was like, all right, I just, I gotta, I gotta go for it. So I just go up and I said, Hey man, excuse me. 
And, uh, and I share, I said, you know, I feel like God's given me some thoughts for you. Cause I just, I feel like if I'm going to, if I'm going to be a complete idiot, I, I might as well get, get, you know, like the spiritual Jesus component out. So that way, if, if someone doesn't want to talk to me, then at least, um, you know, I get a couple of, of like shiny jewels or something forever. I don't know, but <laughs> that was bad. That was one of the most ridiculous things that Chad has ever said. You're I, I a banker. strike that from, from the conversation. That was definitely the flesh. But I, I just asked if I could share, and he said yes, and I began sharing these things, and, and he's like, man, that's crazy. That's actually exactly what I needed to hear, and um, and we ended up talking about music. He was in the music business. Ironically, I told him about my experience, and one of the things that was coolest and the reason I felt like I should share this story was because he went out of his way to honor me for having taken a risk, and he just said, man, I, I, I just want to honor you for the fact that you were willing to approach me to come over here and talk to me. And, and I wonder sometimes if, if we kind of in our own heads come up with assumptions for how people are, are go- going to respond. And so then we don't do something because we're already assuming rejection is going to happen or they won't talk to us or it's not from God or any of those, those negative things. And uh, I was, I, I actually came away so encouraged one, because I, I did what I felt I was supposed to do. And then two, this individual um, himself was was just like, man, way to go! That was that was awesome. You encouraged me to take risks. So anyway, there it is. Yeah. That's awesome. For what That's it's awesome. worth. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I think that we. I mentioned this last week, but I, I think that th- there is also a lie that we deal with. It. I think, of course, we deal with the lie that people will be completely freaked out, and some might be, but I think probably a far greater. Uh, reality out there is just how lonely people are and like how Mm, there are many people who go throughout their entire days. I find this hard to believe and I I feel very blessed relationally, but there are thousands, if not millions of people who go out throughout their entire day and they have no meaningful social interactions at all. Right. And I don't know if you guys feel this way, but like I'm introverted at at first for sure. I eventually, I mean, you probably find that hard to believe listening to this podcast, but (laughs) I I'm introverted at first. So I'm the last by personality. I'm not the kind of person that wants to, I'm not going to go out of my way to meet new people. But when there are those random things that happen, like you'll be in a bank and like someone will do something funny. And then all of a sudden you're kind of laughing with other people. And you have one of those situations, not even spiritual necessarily, but just where the, the cultural norms are broken down. And now all of a sudden you're interacting with people Hmm. that you, you don't, you normally wouldn't, or like that'll happen here. If like, I don't, it sounds funny, but if the if Minnesota sucks so much for weather, if it's ever good, then there's kind of this more natural, easy conversation. All of a sudden you're talking to strangers about the weather or if, mm-hmm. you know, the Vikings are playing and they're doing good. It, so I just, I just think it's cool. And, and I just think in general, there is even some value in breaking down the cultural norms and just like not being so limited in how you view your social interactions, just saying, I'm, I'm going to take my time and be friendly and have a conversation. I mean, it stands out to me. You you notice that when you're at a coffee shop or a restaurant and someone is like uniquely interested in you and really they're fun and they're funny or they have a, you, they take the time to go beyond the surface of their conversation with you. It's really memorable. And at least it is to me. I feel like, man, that's so unusual. We don't do that enough. We don't really care enough about people that we can't get anything in return from to really have a meaningful interaction with them. We just make it so robotic. And I think that in itself, shouldn't Christians be known for that? Shouldn't we be known as mm. the people that are constantly making people laugh and having real real conversations with people that we don't necessarily know? 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. But just, but it means come. It, it's kind of like dying to yourself sometimes because, yeah, especially if you're not a an, uh, an extrovert like Chad is. But one of the things that sometimes uh, happens to me, and I don't know, Chad, this is maybe a challenge to you and your risk taking, is to be willing to tell someone a prophetic word about them that's like challenging in terms of, what, like I've had it where people have, I felt like I need to go to somebody and say, hey, I, you know. I just feel like your pride is keeping you from God. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, it's a, it's a different kind of thing. It's more about uh, confronting, like God will actually give me stuff like that. And when I've obeyed God, uh, often people just like this guy, like dropped to his knees and just started but, weeping. But just to counter that, I mean, I, for, I'm not disagreeing. And I think God can do anything. And Chad, I, I think one thing that I love about what you do is you, by taking that risk in the prophetic, it's like you're... <laughs> You really need God's power to show up. Yeah. And yeah. given that these interactions depend on God's power, you're kind of like, it's not like you're testing God or conjuring up something, but you are saying, I'm going to go on a limb here, Lord, and I'm going to mm-hmm. assume, I'm going to start with the assumption that the Holy Spirit speaks and has something to say. And that's so cool because... Yeah, but, you, you, I, but I'm not done yet. So you, yeah. do, you take that risk. If you never take that risk, you never know if that'll happen. But what right. I'm saying is, you're, 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 the context you're talking about, unless I'm wrong, is in a show or after a show and no longer music where you've kind of established a little bit of a rapport. Have you had that kind of thing with total strangers? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think I would have it more if I was more open to it. So yes, I have not just in a show. Cause even context. that proud pride one was in Columbia. That was after a show. No, but I've had other examples like that where it's not just been in a show context. And I don't know. I just feel like I've been feeling challenged lately to, not just tell people positive things about how God sees them, but also be willing to have a prophetic edge to it. Yeah. Well, maybe this is yeah. a great way to segue to the to the main topic, which is having God's broken heart. And and the the model that we've been looking at to to guide the conversation is Nehemiah in in the Old Testament. Nehemiah, as I've said many times, he had a great job. He had luxury and comfort and security. Um, and then God. You know, he's made aware of a need and, and it breaks his heart. In fact, it says in scripture that he sat down and wept. You know, and when I read that or when I read that, I, I reflect on the idea like that's not hyperbole. Like you imagine when is the last time in your life, when is the last time in my life I have felt so heavy, so burdened by the needs of the world that it's actually caused me to to weep. You know, I don't I haven't I don't feel like I cry very much for many things. Um, and, and and I don't think this means personal tragedy. This is like the needs of the world, the state of the lost, people being lost and broken. When has that caused you to weep? Um, and this is a really critical component to reaching people, that all of the things we talk about, they have to come from a foundation of a broken heart. This isn't a, this cannot be a religious duty or an obligation. And we can get into the quote unquote argument about or argument about do you do what's right even if you don't feel like it and we can we can look into that a little deeper, um, but Luke, what what like talk a little bit about this idea of having a broken heart and maybe especially in the context of kind of feeling like you're going to deliver maybe a hard prophetic word, what kind of heart do you need? Well, to when have? I said that, I assume it comes from it has to come from a a broken heart. I don't I don't I'm not yeah. suggesting you don't. Okay, but then, but then let's talk about the need for that because to someone who's listening who doesn't first understand the need for that, I feel like that's a dangerous territory. You need to, I think that's why yeah. this conversation matters because to have that word without the heart, yeah. I think it's not a good thing. 
Well, like, uh, to be honest, every time we share the gospel, we're doing that, right? Because every time we tell people about Jesus, we tell about tell people about their need for Jesus. We're saying something that is hard for a lot of people to hear today. If we're if we're sharing the gospel as it is, in saying we need repentance, we right. need to come to God, yeah, absolutely. then that, that that's always going to be in a that sense like a negative prophetic word. It's like, hey, you need God, and you're not, and you don't have Him yet. Uh, that's a big thing here mm. in Poland, for instance. You know, being a strong Catholic uh, country, right. most people, if they're, you know, a lot, a lot of our generation today would say, "No, I'm not a Christian. I don't, don't follow that." But there's still a lot here who do because it's their tradition and their culture. And so to be told, "Well, you don't really get it. You don't really know Him." That's a, that's a hard thing to say. Yeah. And so I think that, that that we always need God's heart for that. The time that it, one of the times that it hit me the most. Uh, I was remembering just being in Finland a few weeks ago. I think it ties back to what we we're talking about uh, on one of on our last episode about prayer and spending time with God and letting His heart come to us through that. Um, because I was in a situation in in I think it was the first time I was personally in Finland, but not I was there with no longer music, uh, and we were going to play at the art night, the Helsinki art night, and the art night is is renowned to be. The night that uh, everybody goes out and gets drunk, because I mean, it's also a cool night. There's cool it's things crazy. happening, but a lot of people, especially yeah, crazy. go out, get drunk, gets crazy. Um, and so we're on this square and just packed, and you know, all very interesting looking people everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of I don't know punks or whatever, different kinds of styles going on around, but people drinking like crazy already five six o'clock in the afternoon, and just for whatever reason, peeing everywhere. And it was a yeah, I, I remember like, that and going like I, I really don't like, want to be here. It was yeah, just, I mean, just like, like the place. Yeah, and here's another streams thing. Streams of urine. My wife and I, of, uh, yeah, yeah, and my wife and I had gone around the the park interviewing people because she goes with a camera, and we were asking people what they thought about the concert they were about to see, and they didn't know we were from the band, so they were saying stuff like, "Oh, is this stupid Christian band's gonna play here?" And uh, you know, just that's just stupid. Why is it stupid? Because oh, God doesn't exist. Why should there be Christian rock bands? That's ridiculous. And so just mocking it, you know. And I remember even as two two um, girls came up and they were like, "Can lesbians be at your concert?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And then that laughed away, mocking. They were laughing like I, you could tell that the whole environment was like that. And so I remember going into our prayer time as a band before um, backstage and just having this real deep sense of heavy sense of not wanting to be there. Like, I, I don't want to do this show. I don't want people here don't want to hear us. I don't want to be here. Why are we doing this? And that being radically transformed over a, a period of five, 10 minutes of prayer together as a band and of just suddenly realizing mm. God's presence in that place and God switching it in my mind to, to, to realize these aren't intimidating people who are negative or who don't want to hear what you have to say. These are my children. They're my sons and daughters who are yeah. broken, who are, are lost. And, and that's why you're here. And it's, it's a, it's an obvious thing. I guess we talk about this a lot, but when it hit me in that time of prayer, it brought me to tears and it changed radically the way I went into that concert and the way I engaged with people afterwards. I, uh, after I went up and talked to various guys and had times of prayer with them and just really realizing God's heart for them. And so I think yeah. often that has to start in prayer and in bringing it before God, saying, God, I don't feel like saying this to that person. I don't feel like sharing the gospel tonight, or I don't even like that person. Or I don't want to be here and just bringing that to him and, and then letting him do the work in our hearts and, yeah. and, and you know change us and prepare us for what he wants to do through us. Chad, in in your 
daily pursuit of taking risks and really having pursued this sort of lifestyle for a while now, how is this concept or not concept, how has this played into that? How have you dealt with it? Do you always feel God's heart? I imagine you don't. And how do you, how have you kind of protected that or, or fought for that so that it is not mm-hmm. just an obligation or a duty, but something that is really fueled by God's love for people? Yeah. I mean, it's exactly as, you know, you, you might suspect that I don't always feel God's heart. And, uh, if anything, I probably feel God's heart very seldomly in comparison to how often I feel my own heart or my own insecurities or my own right. thoughts or whatever. Um, and so it, it, I think it all, it all starts from that place of admitting to God that I, apart from him, do not have what it takes. I, I am incapable of properly loving people, you know, as much as um, I would like to see God use me in in the area where David's talking about, you know, having strong, almost like word, words of rebuke um, towards people. I think that 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 requires a even like that that's got to be matched by an even deeper, stronger level of brokenness for people that I don't currently have. I would, I would be truly, uh, I don't know. It's like the Lord would have to break me down even further than he has because I would be afraid. I guess my fear would be if I was to say something that was a a rebuke, um, or, or that kind of had that edge to it. Um, that it might be my own pride speaking, you know, or my own uh, insecurities or something. And so I just, I just have to continue being honest with the Lord and with myself, you know, like, I don't want to today, I don't feel like taking any risks. I don't want to talk to anybody about Jesus. I don't want to step out of my comfort, you know, and I have to admit to God that those feelings are there and those thoughts are there and just apologize. And man, God, I'm sorry. I, I don't think that at the end of the day that I naturally believe that the whole world is going to live eternity apart from Jesus in hell forever um, as as my natural, like that, oh man, that that like is a driver. God, I want to see you save people. I want to see you redeem people. Yeah. I want to see you restore people. Uh, it's like that. I don't think that that's naturally my default apart from Jesus being the one that's first performing a miracle in, in my heart. If that, I don't yeah. know if that makes sense, but that's... No, it, it does. It does. And David, maybe I could bring you in on this. I think the tension in this conversation, and this is maybe more specific than I was intending to get right off the gate here, but I just feel like it, it's like with anything in life that matters, there's there's an element of the will and there's an element of of, of I'm choosing, not not being driven by feelings or emotions, but saying I choose to do what's right. Where it gets complicated in this case is that you can very easily stray into duty and obligation and, and it yeah. can be religiously motivated. And I think people can feel when you don't feel it <laughs> and it matters that they feel yeah, it. Exactly. And, and so, David, maybe help us unpack. Like maybe, maybe it gets it's too um, peripheral to talk about do we deliver – you know, words of rebuke. I think that's pretty extreme. Well, no, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it's invalid. I, I think, no, it, but I, that's not what I mean either. No, no, I I know that, but I, I agree with you. Sometimes what people need to hear is not God's going to use you to save the nations. He, they need to hear 
you're you're messing up and you need to repent. Your your life is being destroyed would, by the choices you're making. I'm sure there's times when that's what God would want to say to someone. And again, what it would take to get to that place maybe is a peripheral, is a different conversation. But how do you, David, how do you how do you wrestle with the the balance between choice and and having a broken heart? And how is a broken heart even quantified? Like how do I even know? It's like is it a sense of emotion? Is it that I'm driven to tears? Because that feels a little fickle. Like, isn't it deeper than that? How would you unpack that complicated yeah, dichotomy? Yeah, and if I can quickly respond to what you said, I think it's not about rebuke or encouragement. It's about the whole truth. Because when you say to somebody, God has a plan for you that's amazing, it always, repentance is the thing that's going to make that happen in your life. So if you just tell them the second half of the story, you're not giving them the whole story. Right, but I would... I would just say that this, the assumption here, at least, Chad, you don't know who you're talking to. We don't know, you know, when I'm taking a risk, I don't know who I'm talking to. My assumption has to be that they don't even know the gospel. So the right. idea that I would come in and say, you, you're messing up and you no, need, no, but, you're, I, but hold yeah. on, but in your pride that's, is getting in the way before they even that's know. That's not how I would say it. I wouldn't come up to somebody and say, hey, you're messing up. Uh, and again, this is something I'm not saying I've arrived. Well, give me a con- I, help me child. understand the context ex- of what you're talking. Let about. me explain it. I f- okay, I see this person. I feel this heart, um, and I felt this like uh, this kind of recently. Like, um, and I was I was felt I needed to do it, and then I couldn't find him and whatever. But anyway, so and this was uh, this a total is a, stranger. Yes, a total a total stranger. Okay. And say I felt like you need to say, you know what? Jesus is not who you think he is, and if you would. If you would surrender your life to him, your whole life will be changed, and all those things that you're feeling will be all those questions will be answered. So to me, that's what I mean. It's it I and, it, and so it's it's I th- I just think there's this is the thing that I'm in challenge with. Now to get back to your first point, mm-hmm. Ben. How I think it's always right to do the right thing. So love is not a feeling; it's a choice. So I don't think that I have to get this a big emotion to love my neighbor. God, Jesus says, love your neighbor. And so I choose, it's like I don't love my wife emotionally or, or it's a choice or my kids, it's a decision. And I think that love, it's, it's uh, if, I, if I think, well, I don't feel this great feeling, the devil's always going to be lie to me and keep me from doing the loving thing. So first of all, I decide love. And sometimes the last thing I want to do is uh the thing God is asking me to do. So like Luke was talking about when we were playing at the Night of Art, and there's all these just really aggressive people, the loving thing was to still go out there, still do what we were called to do, and still tell people about Jesus. And my experience has been when I make the choice of love, then the the feeling of love will come afterwards. Yeah, but Luke, when you say that that's partially about being honest about your motivation, because what you're saying is Mm -hmm. I consciously choose to do what I know is right, even if I don't feel it. Like, for example, the reason I'm doing this is because God loves me. God saved me. God loves them. They are valuable to him. And I'm going to choose to, to as best as I can, lovingly convey that truth to them. But you've really thought through your heart and you've like, you know what you're feeling. I think the problem is when people's motivations aren't good. They're, they're judgmental or they're self-righteous or they're, they're doing it because the youth group has peer pressured them into it, but they don't really. So it's look when you say it's about honesty. Yeah. But again, for me, it ties back very closely to the last episode. I don't know if this is going to be sequenced, but we had the episode talking about seeking God. And um, we talked about how spending time with him should even change the way we pray and what we pray for. 
and our yeah. own hearts. And for me, what I understand of getting God's broken heart is about knowing him more. And I know him more by knowing his word. I think that's one of David's points there. I read there are things mm-hmm. written about God and his character and his plan that I know. I don't have to feel it. I know it's the right thing to do. And I agree with David on that. Maybe the feelings, well, feelings can be part of that, like when I put it into action, but also the awareness in my spirit of it and and in my feelings and emotions comes, I think, in prayer. I think the more I spend time with him and I'm I'm doing what we talked about on that episode of really letting the spirit guide and in in my prayers and what I pray for, I turn suddenly from praying for those just day-to-day, more self-centered things that I'm worried about to praying about yeah. the bigger picture, to realizing God's plan, to realizing other people and how he sees other people. And what Chad does when he takes risks is he's going, God, maybe there's somebody here that I don't know. I have, there's no way I could know anything, but that you do. And you've got something you want to say to them. And you're opening yourself yeah. up to that. So the moment you open yourself up and you say, God, if there's something you want to do in somebody's life here or say through me, then do it. The moment you're praying for somebody that you don't even know. The, the, the very first time I experienced this myself was when I lived in Brazil. Uh, this is before I met NLM, David, Steiger, all the stuff that we do today. Um, and I lived on a street that was full of uh, prostitution and, and all this stuff right in the center of a big city in Brazil. And I just had this real deep, since I needed to pray for people on my street. I didn't know what to do, how to help. I just ended up living in this kind of like red light district area and as a student. And so I just started praying for my bedroom window. And there were pe- random people I didn't know. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go up to them and talk to them. I'd just pray for my window. And it was in prayer that I started to f- feel things for them and to realize how God saw them and to realize how God's word is put into practice even in their lives and people like that. And then, yes, yeah. stepping out and doing something about it. But I think that it's in that getting to know God's heart more that we realize how he sees things and it changes our hearts and it changes yeah. our attitudes and our motivation. And maybe to bring this full circle to your point, Chad and David, is that I think what would ultimately lead you to having these more finely tuned maybe even borderline confrontational prophetic words is your intimacy with Jesus that you are so in tune with his heart and that, that not only would that fix your motivation, right? Because I think it's impossible to be close to God and not feel what he feels. But then I think, I mean, you look at the book of Acts and, and like the Holy Spirit's like Paul's GPS. I mean, he's like, go left, go right. I mean, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us in right. real personal prophetic ways. And I think, Chad, you're probably on that road. I think it's cool what you're doing and God honors that. And like, I think the more you're open to that and then you take risks, I think you you, you just are more and more in tune. And then I think God would lead you sometimes to say, man, you, I feel like you're rebelling from your parents and that this relationship well, is holding you back or, you know, the, the things yeah. that they really really need to hear. And that's the point. That's David's point. I, that's, yeah. uh, I think yep. you're right, David, in that, because like I was even having, a, it's interesting, I was having a conversation with a friend today about this and, and he um, met Jesus. He was, he was part of a, a charismatic uh, Catholic group here in Poland and he met Jesus in this radical way and he started following Jesus and, and he's uh, now part of an evangelical church. And we were just talking about the differences, evangelical, Catholic, and all that stuff. And he said one thing that he missed that he saw happening in the Catholic charismatic movement that he was part of was that when people prophesied, and they, they were practicing the gifts in these meetings they were having, and when people prophesied, it was very often quite honest and genuine and very often came out negative things. 
And he said, he said, mm-hmm. often I don't actually experience that so much anymore mm-hmm. in our evangelical circles because we've created kind of a culture where you're supposed to say nice things. And he mm-hmm. says, I think sometimes the prophes- prophetic word isn't actually a prophetic word. It's more like we're wanting to encourage that person. It's like and, prayer and I can kind be of like agree with too. him. And I'm like, you know, if I've got something I want to encourage somebody, that's great. That's a really good thing to do. And it can be a word from God. It can be something God's asking me to do. Go and encourage that person. Go and say something nice. Right. And we should do that. But a prophetic word that's really authentically, genuinely, I've heard the Spirit leading me to say something that I have no yeah. idea if that's right, if it's from that person. It's just something that's come to me then that should be, it could be good or difficult or challenging for that person. It's, but it's all good, know. even the difficult, yeah, and yeah. The difficult word is the good thing, right? It's not, yeah. and I don't, I think the thing that'll keep me from being self-righteous is, this is a sub-point, but what I'm, when I know how much God knows me and forgives me, I know how much I need the yeah. cross. I'm so, I'm aware of my, my sinful nature and need of grace so I'm not coming from a, no. a higher position. No. You know what I mean? That's when it's self-righteous. That's when you're like yeah, these yeah. Pharisees. But it's not like that. And, and the person can tell, you know, if you're coming like that. If you're coming, man, God knows me, and I, I am his grace and his love is amazing. And, yeah. and But I had to recognize these things that were holding me back. Yeah. I had to understand these bad things that I have done. These were, And I love you too much to not tell you that. Yeah, and, and I... I feel like there's uh, this conversation is just kind of flowing naturally, and I want to go with it because there's there's a couple other aspects to this. I, I think knowing God's heart will lead you ultimately to speak um, the whole truth, the the, the full truth, and, and the things that is really going to set people free. And even in my own context, you know, I haven't had as much prophetic experience in a sort of random one-on-one sense. But when I've been speaking, especially lately, I've been really having this this thing can come over me where I I feel God's heart is upset with something. And I can tell you when I, when I've had those moments, they've not been, it's not felt self-righteous. Like I I was at a church and um, I won't give too many specifics, but basically I was showing some video about some kids and and their, their answers to worldview questions. And the answers were kind of foolish. And I maybe have brought this up on the podcast. I don't know, but the response was that they started laughing and I have, I'm telling you, I've never felt a stronger sense of how disappointed God was in that reaction. Like, here we are, these wealthy, everything's given to us. We've been told the gospel our whole lives. And our reaction to kids who don't know Jesus is to laugh at the foolishness of their responses to these questions. And I felt God's heart just, I felt his righteous anger. I, that sounds weird. And I called them, I called this group out and they were like, like crying and praying and telling me afterwards that that is exactly what they needed to hear. And it was, and it was, it was a weird thing, but I just felt that. And even recently in a provoke and inspire that we just had, I just, again, felt this righteous anger about this lie that America cannot be reached by Christian artists. And you hear it over and over and over again, like this, this nonsense, like, Oh, that's, you know, this dismissive attitude of, of evangelism through art in the U.S., that we're somehow too cynical, too sophisticated, too cool, that Jesus could not take artists who are unashamed of the gospel and use them in main public ways to change people. And as we were, as I was feeling that spirit, and I'm not even saying it was coming from anyone, but as I was feeling that, I felt like God wanted me to rebuke that. Like, that is such a lie. It's self-fulfilling prophecy, and it's nonsense. Yeah. We're not seeing Christian artists change the world in America because we don't have any faith. Because we don't believe it's possible. 
And so I do think that there is some of that. And it's not it's not about being angry at the person. In fact, it's caring about the person. It's it's a it's a God so burns for people that he wants them to be set free. And then when you are confronted by these lies that are holding people back, even if it's individually, you 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 don't true indifference or apathy is not telling them. It's saying Ah, I can. I, I feel the sense that this is destroying you, but I care more about my reputation or the comfort level between us that I'm not going to be willing to speak. So, so yeah, David, I I, uh, I rescind my uh, my <laughs> my pushback, and I agree. I, I think that this is part of really knowing God's heart, ultimately. Yeah, and I could. Yeah, I could. You know, I felt that at the provoke and inspire event, Ben. You know, when you were when you were calling that out, I I was sitting right next to you, and I could sense in my spirit, like, wow, that's a that's like a really powerful prophetic word in its own right. You know, it's not necessarily prophetic on yeah. an individual level, although it might be, but it was prophetic in a corporate sense. And, uh, and that's definitely a gift. You know, I think, I think that um, sometimes we minimize the prophetic by assuming that if it only fits in the little, like kind of what Luke was saying, the little evangelistic box of what we have grown up maybe understanding or misunderstanding that's prophetic rather than realizing, well, that it, it could apply in all many different situations. But, but I think the core of understanding and experiencing God's broken heart for the lost is understanding that God's desire is that every single person on the planet experiences him. And when that becomes more that when that becomes a louder reality for us, then they don't they don't look like they're interested. They don't act like they're interested. They they uh, their history tells me that they don't want to talk or you know any number of external challenges. Um, all of a sudden, it's it, it taking the risk becomes much easier because the love of God mm. and the reality of God, which is that he is speaking and he is communicating to people and yeah. he's drawing yeah. them in, whether we have any clue of it or not. Um, yeah. And yet he's willing, you know, he loves to partner with us. He loves to use all of us to help. Um, that's his plan to help the world see how good he is and how kind he is and how, how yeah. perfect he is. Mm -hmm. And just to add to that Go prophetic ahead, perspective you were talking about at the beginning, Chad, I think it's really good for us to remember as well how that is in the Bible and biblically that's, you know, prophecy and most of the prophetic books and, and writings we have in the Bible were actually a man that God would rise, raise up to speak to a nation, you know, and to a whole group and to, um, and to have kind of a message that he drum that he would drum, it would go to the, to the politicians, to the leaders, and it would be something that was on God's heart, which is kind of what Ben was describing. Uh, and, and I think, yeah, we are in danger of losing that if we limit how God speaks and understand and, and kind of having his heart for people today. If we don't realize that, um, whether we be in a place that we're sharing the gospel w with a group or publicly proclamation or even preaching in a church or in any form or act that God is using us or playing a concert as a band, that we need to be open for, you know, to hear God's heart for people around us and to speak that out, whether it be one-on-one, -on -one, whether it be into the culture. Yeah. You know, I think we need a prophetic voice in the culture today. We need a prophetic voice in the church. Um, yeah. That was the role of the prophet. Yeah. And I think it still is today that God uses the gift of prophecy yeah. in that way. One, one, I think, interesting part of this conversation is that have Christians 
been held back by a warped concept of what love is. So I think that really matters because you say you've got to be loving. Well, our culture today, what what they say is loving isn't loving, right? It's let everyone do whatever the heck they want. That's loving, which makes no sense. Who who can say that and be a parent, by the way? <laughs> like who's had small kids and, and actually can maintain some integrity very good parent in that philosophy? Well, no one does. It's again, it's unlivable secularism. But the point is, David, how much of a Christian's um, fear to share the gospel or or even to have to attach the idea of love to the idea of being bold is because the secular culture has warped our concept of what love is. Well, again, I think if I really love somebody and the building's on fire and I don't say, hey, the building's on fire. If you don't get out, you're going to die. Right. You know, if I just tell them, man, your hair looks nice today, you know, or whatever, <laughs> that's not cool. So it's really about saving people from death when you tell them the truth and say, man, you got to change the road you're on, dude, just like I did. And I think that if you're talking about prophets, the prophets that God really used were, they they were broken. They were weeping right. for the for their nations. They weren't just these, these guys walking around with big Bibles yelling at everybody. I mean, these were guys that, you know what I mean? This is not, this is, I know guys like that too, and that's not what I mean. I mean people mm-hmm. who are in touch, relevant, crying for their neighbors, really crying for their neighbors. And then out of that going, man, I love you too much not to tell you, right. you know, that, that Jesus is the answer, but it, you can't keep going there on this road. It's going to kill you because that's what, this was killing me, man. And it, and it, and you need to be free and there's freedom, you know, and I think yeah. that's, that's the tone of what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate. And, and I think we need more of that in our communication with people today. You know, just bringing it to a band context, kind of um, something that happened recently to to me and the band guys um, just end of last year in one of the concerts we were doing, just experiencing God's heart for people. We had this really, uh, we had a rehearsal before a show and we were going to play with this band uh, from Norway. It's this hardcore band that were really anti-religious in their propaganda and everything. Um, and so we were kind of like going, oh man, how's this going to go? Like the warm-up band for like this anti-Christian whatever and uh and i and i'd watched one of their video clips before and i said guys we were going to rehearse we had like an hour in this studio and we're like can we just watch this video and so we just sat and watched their their video clip and it was their their lyrics were so it just sounded so much like they're pouring their hearts out of how they felt about the world around them and it was it was a lot about loneliness it was a lot about depression suicidal thoughts all that kind of stuff and god just broke mm. us as we watched this video and we started praying for the band <laughs> and our, our hour of rehearsal went <laughs> in the studio. We ended up not using the studio. <laughs> We're just praying for this band because God moved us so much listening to the mm-hmm. lyrics and thinking about these guys and praying for them. And the, it was one of the most amazing shows we ever had in terms of a response, including from some of the band members that we'd prayed for. And I, and I think that we need to uh, take time sometimes to just, uh, do more of that desperate crying out to God for people mm-hmm. and uh, la- letting him do the rest, you know, uh, just sometimes it's just taking a time out for it and thinking and looking into some, what somebody else is going through and praying for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, my, my segue was a bit academic um, because I do ultimately think that the academics aside, this is a gift that God gives you. You know, when I've when I've experienced God's heart, it really does feel like something that He gives me as a in an as a way to honor my request for it. It's like God, I I need 
you know, being honest with who, who I really am deep down and that I don't, I don't naturally feel this way, or if I do it's momentarily and then it fades. Um, and I think next week we can, we can dig deeper into some of the practical aspects of what it actually looks like to have a broken heart. Um, but I do think that it is something that God gives you and, and, and when he does, it's like the motivation, it, it stops becoming about all the details because you just feel what he feels. And then it's just, it's messy and it's incomplete, but you just, you can't, you know, it ruins you for the, for the ordinary, as my mother says, you know, you can't, you can't just, you know, play Xbox and eat Cheetos when, when you feel what God feels for people. And, and again, the, the concept that I was poking at a little bit is just that, man, we, we live in such an, uh, an era, an age where what's loving is, is to not bother anyone is to not, is to let everyone do exactly what they want to do. Our, the spirit of our age is tolerance, although it, it masks itself that way, but it's, it's certainly not as tolerant as it claims to be certainly a views it doesn't agree with, but that's kind of the spirit of our age and that has infiltrated the church. And so I think we almost feel like preaching and love is become antithetical which is so bizarre because there is no love without telling people the very thing they need to be saved. So it's that's part of it is I think redeeming the concept of love. And I think it's very, um, the analogies can be drawn from our, for those of us that are parents, it can be drawn from the experience with our kids. Like how it's not loving for me to simply let my three-year-old do anything he wants to do. Hmm. In fact, most of the things he wants to do are very destructive. (laughs) Um, they're hilarious, but they're they're quite destructive. I'm just being paid back uh, for every person I annoyed throughout history and time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but really, like I, it is. There are many choices I have to make that he doesn't un- doesn't understand and that don't appear to be loving to him. But I, you know, I I know what what will allow him to thrive. I know what what is best for him, and that is how God feels about us. And and, and so we have to kind of be conscious of and fight against the spirit of our age, even in the church that would rather make it about palatable messages than the truth, it's ironically out of a concept of love. And, right. and it's just, it's sad because it's like, like David said, it's complimenting people on their way to destruction. And that's not a cool, popular thing to say, but that's the truth, right, Chad? I mean, isn't that ultimately... Well, I would say or, you're, you, or David. I would say you couldn't feel more love for, for your son. No. You know, so this that comes from that. Yeah. That's the point, right? Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, yeah maybe Chad, you could... I think do the one thing that we all could do more, and that is ask God on our behalf, the people sitting around this, you know, global campfire and the world (laughs) that God would give us more of his broken heart. Because I know I feel the burden of that. Like I get up and talk about this at churches and it's, if I'm honest, it's one of the hardest things for me to talk about because I, I look at my own heart so often and I feel so heartless so often and I don't like it. It's not that I don't academically understand. It's not that at times I don't feel it. But so often I don't. And and so it's like I feel if there's ever a time when I'm on a stage preaching to myself, it's when I talk about this. So maybe, Chad, you could pray that, that God would yeah, give all I, of us more of this. I, I mean, I feel like I can relate with you. I, I feel it's I know that feelings are deceptive and I know that we are all considered righteous because of what Jesus accomplished for us. But but my my the like spidey senses of the Holy Spirit uh are prompting me to pass the baton down the screen to Luke. And, uh, and I, I just <laughs> Imagine feel if like, your hand yeah, would be creepy down, if also in your hand down went the in screen. There. <laughs> and, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to ask you to pray for us. Cause I felt like what you were sharing there with that band, there was a level of emotional 
connection and yeah. and feeling that's 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 quite honestly much deeper than where I normally am and I I actually feel like I would like what you just demonstrated and I need more of that. I feel a little bit like I would yeah. be a hypocrite to say, yeah, I'll pray, you know, uh when I feel like the uh the stronger connection would be for you to pray. So if you're I know I'm putting now I'm putting you on the spot, but we're all good at putting each other on the spot. So yeah. Well, Jesus, I just I just thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, we need to be reminded every day of our need for you and of who you are in your heart for people. And none of us here are able to conjure that up or to create feelings or to uh, or claim to have your heart. Uh, we we just we just want to know you more, Jesus, and we want to have your heart for people so that we can serve you well. And so we give you everything we've been talking about, and we just cry out to you that you would make us more sensitive to your heart, that you would help us know you more and understand more what your word says and your plan for this world and for the people around us, and that you would break our hearts more for even the the random strangers we meet in our day-to-day and, uh, and the things we do. I, I thank you for uh, those things we've been talking about, I pray you'd use Chad and, and all of us and more and everybody who's listening more to speak truth into people's lives around us, whether it be encouraging things or challenging things, and that you would use us for that. And I pray, Jesus, that each of us in our own context, everybody who's listening, each of us in our own places and in the things you've called us to do, that we would have more of your heart, that we'd be hungry for you, and that as we seek you, you would um, just... Show us ways in which we can speak truth into people's lives around us today. Make, Lord, I pray for more prophecy. I pray for more prophets to raise up. And I pray, Jesus, that, mm. you, that yeah, you would give us your broken heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Uh, again, rate it, review it on iTunes. If you don't have iTunes, poor K. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, for those in the Twin Cities area, the No Longer Music Send-Up Show. I'm, I'm, I'm holding it up Yay! to Matt because that's probably the angle he'll Gotta use. Gotta hold it still, man. You're no, I, I, got, I, I got whatever surgeon hands are, I'm the opposite. I'm like flimsy McGavin over here. I got, I got shaky McShake hands. Uh, 6.30 Sunday, this Sunday, Cedar Valley Church, the No Longer Music Send-Up Show. Be how there. Much, hey, how much, how much does it cost? Can I, can I get in with, with no. $25? What is no. it? So what uh, is it with this money? You can get a, what you can get a scratch and sniff at the door for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so so uh, and, and for those of you that are very last minute, the SMS begins this weekend. The first SMS. Yeah. So sign yeah. up now. But book your ticket or just for show Friday. Up. <laughs> no, don't no, just, just show be up. There. Get, do just not show just show up, up because we will Dude, do just, what Ben <laughs> described earlier. But you must arrive this weekend. It's starting Friday. The bums rush. Nice. Yes, the we will. Uh, we will. That just doesn't you sound right to want... me. I can't even repeat it. Yeah, yeah. So whatever Ben said well, will happen to you. Way to you're go, British. way to go, Luke. Way to rise above the murky <laughs> waters. Hey, before we end here, Chad, let's try to high five. You ready? Here we go. Can I join? No, no, like, no, sideways. Oh, sideways? sideways. No, oh, the other way. Uh, I don't, I don't think that makes sense for anybody else. Go. Boosh. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for listening to the Broken Inspire podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. Do explain, my boy. Thanks for listening to Provoke and Inspire, the official Come and Live podcast. To hear past podcasts, go to comeandlive.com. Got a question for the guys? Send it in to provokeandinspire at comeandlive.com.